thanks so much for joining me today. Today, the title of my message is Corrupted Faith. Let's acknowledge Jesus. Jesus, you said that when two or more gathered in your name, that you are here in the midst of us. So we believe that you're here. We just welcome you. We thank you for teaching us, giving us revelation knowledge as to how to live in your kingdom right here on the earth. We thank you, Lord, that you're teaching us to represent you and to prove that your will is good and perfect, to prove the goodness of who you are, representing you in everything that we do. We love you, we praise you, we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. God is so good, and I know I say this every time, but I am so in love with him. You know, you would think that correction would be the worst thing ever, but it's really the best thing ever. When the word says that he corrects us because he loves us, that is so true. I want to be corrected. I want to be walking in truth. I don't want to be walking in a lie. I want to tell you, last night, I kept seeing this refrigerator in my sleep. It was white. It was big. Um, you know, it was one of the newer ones. And um, it was so beat up. And I was moving it. <laughs> Sometimes I move my fridge and clean behind it, and it's pretty big, but it has wheels on. And I was moving it, and it was just so wobbly, and um, it, it was falling over, and I caught it. And then all of a sudden, it fell on its back. <laughs> I couldn't pick it up for nothing, and there was like this community of people around where I was. It was a very strange dream. And I went for help. And people were looking at me like, like that. I'm just like, okay. And then I interrupted this very important person. I'm not really sure who it was. And sometimes it takes a couple of days before my dream is fully interpreted. And I don't know if it's because of my um, lack of attention or just how much I can handle in a day, what I need to know. I don't know. And my time was a little bit limited this morning, but... So in this dream, the person that I was like sneaking in, like they were at a table, this person, this important person, and then this other person, and this person was talking to that person. I was sort of sneaking in because I was frantic, butting into the conversation. And, you know, I, I think I even had things written down. And the person looked at me like, no, <laughs> not now. This isn't, this isn't working out. For one thing, you're interrupting, and for another thing, it just happened too many times kind of thing. I could not get that refrigerator out of my head. I tossed and I turned and I tried to fall back to sleep, and I kept seeing this refrigerator. It was white. It was so beat up from falling over. It was like it fell over and over in my dream. It kept falling. And then I told you the last state of it was it was on its back. And I couldn't do anything anymore. I just couldn't. And so when I woke up, I'm like, okay, God, I think I'm in trouble. I think you're trying to tell me something. And um, I, I was in trouble. And not only was I in trouble, but I could see it in others' lives. And I knew I was supposed to share it with you today. You know, we don't sin on purpose, but we do sin. You know, sometimes we know that we're doing something wrong, but we do it anyway. I mean, actually, there's a song, well, I misunderstood the song, but I, I thought the first time I heard it is sometimes it seems easier to sin. And, you know, I think sometimes it does. And it's wrong thinking, and 
I don't think we always think that we're thinking wrong, but we are. We're, we're thinking wrong, and that's why we're supposed to take captive every thought and line it up with the Word of God. So to move on, I want to read to James 1, starting in verse 5. Well, I'm just going to talk a little bit about this whole chapter. James says to count it all joy when you're going through stuff. When you're believing God for something, you're really going to start going through stuff because Jesus said in um, Mark 4 that as soon as you hear the word, the enemy is going to come and try to take it from you. So you got to fight on your hands. And Jesus gave us heads up. He told us, you know, that the things that Satan was going to use and in order to win, that we had to continue to hear the word and hear the word and hear the word. And then our faith would grow, and then that's how you went, paying attention to the Word of God. And then in James 5, it says, when you're going through this, you can, you can ask God for wisdom. He gives to all liberally without fault-finding. Verse 6, is, it says, only it must be in faith that he asks with no wavering, no hesitating, no doubting. For the one who wavers, hesitates, and doubts is like a billowing surge at sea that is blown hither and thither and tossed by the wind. For truly, let no man, no person, imagine that he would receive anything from the Lord that he asked for, for being as he is a man of two minds, hesitating and um, irresolute, he is unstable and unreliable and uncertain about everything he thinks, feels, and decides. And so, when we ask God for something, we have to be determined. And what he was showing me that um, the refrigerator represented faith. And he was showing me that um, I abused my faith. Um, I want to mention, too, that when I opened my computer, it said I had a corrupted file. And while I was looking at it, God showed me that's what we do to our faith. We corrupt our faith. You know, we beat up our faith so bad by saying we believe. And remember, Jesus called it our servant in Luke 17, our slave, that our faith was our slave, that we were to send it out. And actually, I just want to read that to you before I go on. Luke 17, if you want to look while I'm looking, Luke 17, 6. I thought I had it marked, but I guess I do. No, I don't. Okay, anyway, Luke 17, 6 says that, you know, the disciples were asking for more faith, and he said, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say the small bird bush. And then um, that you could plant it in the sea, and it would obey you. Be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea, and it will obey you. And then he said, well, any man of you who has a servant plowing or tending sheep, say to him when he has come in from the field, come in at once and take your place at the table. Will you not instead tell him, get my supper ready, gird yourself and serve me while I eat and drink, and then afterward you yourself will eat and drink? Is he grateful and does he praise the servant because he did what he was ordered to do? Even so, your part, when you have done everything that was assigned and commanded you, you say, we are unworthy servants, possessing no merit, for we have gone beyond in our, our obligation and we have merely done what is our duty to do. 
And so um, what he revealed to me at one time is he's saying, your faith is your slave. You tell it what to do. You don't tell it to rest. So in the same sense, what he's saying is, you know, Hebrews says that faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So we need faith. And we get faith by hearing the word of God. And um, God was showing me that we're double-minded. When we're double-minded, we're just whacking that faith all over the place. We're beating it up to the place where we corrupt it. And quite frankly, I felt like God was saying that um, he was sick of it. And the thing that I did, I didn't mean to do, but what he was showing me is I'm keeping the promise from happening because I'm double-minded. I send my faith out and I believe, and then as soon as it looks like it might not be working, then I take care of it myself. Then I kick in and I do um, what, in other words, really what I'm doing is I'm doing God's job. I'm saying God is going to do this, and then I figure it out myself and assume that's the way God was going to do it, which, you know, you know deep down inside that that's not really faith. Say you believe in God for money, and then you go borrow money, and then you say, well, God gave me this opportunity that I could borrow money. Well, you know, that's not really what the Word of God said. The Word of God says to owe no man nothing. And so you got to wake God out. You got to press through and believe, even though it doesn't look like anything's happening. Same with healing or anything else that you're asking God to work out for you. And so he's saying when you're double-minded, just like that refrigerator, you're just knocking it around and exhausting it and to the place where it's just going to fall on its back and it's not going to do you any good. He said a double-minded man won't receive anything from him. So you send your faith out, you bring it back. And yeah, it's your servant, but don't beat up your servant of faith. That's what he's saying. Stop beating it up. Either to believe, send it out, and stand, having done all stand, or don't believe. Don't be double-minded because you're really wasting your time. You know, although it's a time of growing, you know, and God forgives us, you know, and that's the other thing that God wanted me to say is that we're forgiven and we can start over but we should be aware of what we're doing. We're beating our faith up. We're sending it out, and then we reel it back in and um, just lay it down and forget about it and make things happen ourselves. And in fact, I was reading a devotion that also confirmed what God was saying to me today. And um, she was saying the same thing that, you know, um, we're making, we make things happen. Instead of God doing it, I can't remember the words she used, um, but it was great. And we just make things happen. We make, um, we say God is doing something, and we do it. And, oh, I know what it was. It was manufacturing it. We're manufacturing it. We're making it happen. So if you say that, you know, God's going to do this favor for you, and then you do the favor yourself, then you manufactured the answer. And God is saying, I don't need any help. Your part is to stand, to, to look at the Word of God and keep it going in your heart day and night, day and night. And I was lacking doing that. But when you do that, it keeps your thinking straight. I was just saying to my son this morning, you get up every day and you get your thinking straight and you want God to correct you. You know, I love it when he corrects me. I love it that he gave me that dream because, you know, not only was I corrected, I was encouraged 
to believe him. I was encouraged to believe him and not figure it out myself. Not um, reproduce, or I forgot the word again, um, that I just said. Anyway, not create it, not manufacture it. That's what it is. Not manufacture it yourself. Don't do that. That's what he's saying. Don't do that. And, you know, in this devotion also I should add that, you know, she was praying for people and just thought she wasn't doing enough. And he, he was telling her, no, you don't have to do anything. You don't have to manufacture anything. You just stand. You just believe. And that is what we're to do. You know, being a Christian, um, the toughest part is to believe in the midst of things looking like they're not going to work. The kingdom of God is taken by force. And so you want to be corrected. You want God to show you. And I have given God permission in my life to correct me, to get me right, to straighten up my thinking at any time. And so he gives me dreams. He gives me visions. He corrects me. Sometimes it doesn't feel so good. It feels like a spanking. Sometimes I, sometimes I can feel that he's grieving. And in this situation, I felt like it was. But at the same time, it encourages me because he's saying, I can't do anything if you're going to do it. If you're going to do it, I can't do it. If you're going to believe one day and then quit the next day, then the dream's over. Then the thing that I showed you that's going to happen, which he was showing me something that was going to happen, is really on delay. It's at a standstill because you have to be the one who believes. It isn't God's part to believe for you. It's your part to believe. I always think of the woman with the issue of blood. Jesus said, your faith has made you well. The man that stretched out his arm, he said, your faith has made you well. I think that's how it went. And that centurion, he said, I haven't seen this much faith in all of Israel. So our faith isn't up to him. It's up to us. We all get the same measure of faith, Romans says. And then it's our part to grow it. It's our part to put the word in our heart, day and night, day and night. It's our, our part to have his opinion, his thinking. Corinthians says to take captive every thought and make it be like the word of God. And when you're thinking God's thoughts, when you're thinking his way, you're going to have faith. You're going to be in agreement with him. Jesus said, if you're in agreement with me, if you let me get those dead branches off, you know, in other words, if we let him correct us, um, then he is going to make it, help us get to the place where we're in agreement with him. When we're in agreement with him, then he said we can ask what we will, and it will be done for him. So we've got to get in agreement. We have to let him correct us. You have to ask him. I tell him, you know, I had a crisis um, 26 years ago that really helped me. And I said, God, I don't want to be surprised again. I don't want to surprise. And the Word of God tells us that Jesus said that he would tell us things to come. When you ask the Holy Spirit to come and live on the inside of you, he'd be your counselor, your standby. He'd remind you of the Word of God. He'd remind you, Jesus said, he'll remind you of the things I said and tell you things to come. And so I said, I don't want to have any more surprises. I didn't like this. Please tell me. Please correct me. And so I've given him permission to correct me because I find out if he doesn't, I can end up in a crisis. I can be wrong. I can be thinking something's right that's wrong. And I was thinking it was okay with him because I didn't like really feel him correct me, although I didn't really know and I hadn't had enough word. 
and I only had a minute or two to sort it out, and I just made the wrong choice. And he showed me that. And he showed me if I keep doing that, then I'm really beating up my faith, and it's not going to do me any good. I'm not going to receive because I'm using my faith, and I put it aside, and I'm using it, and I'm corrupting it. And so in the dream, you know, I, I found out later that the people that were looking at me like that were saying, well, you should know better. You did it. <laughs> you moved that refrigerator way too many times, and it's shot. And it's just about ready to fall on its back, and of course, your faith. The other thing that God wanted me to say is we are forgiven. We are forgiven. And, you know, the man that was sitting at the table... Um, I think was God, and I felt like he was just like so disappointed that he had to wait again. And who knows who he was talking to? Maybe he's talking to the person that's saying, or an angel, or whatever, or the, the, the special delivery person. Well, you're going to have to wait because now she's not believing anymore. And oh, there she is, and she's, she's asking me about this refrigerator and, or about her faith, why it's not working. And God is so amazing. He's so good. And, you know, you can just sit and have conversation with him in the morning, and, and it's so enlightening. He, he is so encouraging. And I feel really bad that I disappointed him. And it is impossible to please God without faith, and I really felt like I disappointed him. But I'm forgiven, and I'm going to do it again. I'm going to back on my horse, and I'm going to believe, and I am not going to compromise. And I believe you're going to do the same thing. Whatever you've been doing that you know that really isn't the Word of God, you can change it. You can change it. And I'm just glancing at my notes here to see if there's anything I forgot and it doesn't look like I did. You can change it because faith is your slave. You can send your faith out purposefully and you, your faith is you speaking to the mountain. And um, Matthew 11, Jesus said, whatever you say to this mountain translated as command. So you tell your faith what you want to happen and you believe it and you stand. And when the enemy brings another opportunity like he did with me, you say, no, I'm believing this. I remember when um, I was believing God for a new kitchen stove. Must be a perfect example. And my brother had this used one on his truck and he stopped over and he was like, hey, you know, I got this uh, stove for you if you want to have it. And I said, nope, I didn't like it. it was used. It was really a piece of junk. And he was trying to maybe get rid of it. I don't know what he was doing. But I said, no, I'm believing God for a brand new stove, a self-cleaning electric oven. And he looked at me like, okay, well, you know, I'm offering this, offering you this for free. You can just have it. Or you can have it until God gets you one. And I said, no, I'm standing strong, firm. I believe he's going to get me a stove. And that's what we got to do. We got to hear enough and, you know, be determined that we are going to do this. And you know what? That glorifies the Father. And Jesus said, then you're in agreement with me. And you prove that my will is good and perfect. And you're glorifying the Father. And also it says you prove to be a true disciple of mine we got to be true disciples. Yes, you're forgiven. You can start over. You know, we can pick up that dead refrigerator and make it work again. You know, we can start again, but start again. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't let the enemy beat you up. 
You know, that's the other thing. When we mess up, the enemy comes and he's like, oh, man, you're really bad. You might as well quit. You know, you might as well give up. First, you know, he gets you to, to not believe God and then he beats you up for it. No, you're forgiven. Jesus bore your sickness, your disease, your sorrow, your pain. You know, anything that um, you have sinned in, he bore that for you. I say 53, 4, and 5. Check it out. And you get another chance. He shed his blood for you so that you can be forgiven. Jesus said we are to forgive seven times, 77 times a day. So that's unlimited. And, and of course, you know, he's going to forgive you that many times. Plus, if you need it. God is so good. He's so in love with us. If you want Jesus to come and live on the inside of you, if you want to be forgiven for your mistakes and be happy all the time and have your needs met and, and be healed and just live in heaven on the earth, then I just want to invite you to say a prayer with me today. Dear Jesus, we thank you and praise you that you want to come and live on the inside of us and be our God. We're asking you now just to fill us with your spirit to overflowing so that we can actually feel you right now in this moment. I thank you and praise you that you are so in love with us that you knew we were going to mess up over and over and again and we're forgiven. I thank you for correcting us, Lord, for teaching us your way. I thank you and praise you, Lord, for that person that's never said this prayer before. Lord, that you would just give them understanding. Give us understanding. Thank you for revelation knowledge. Thank you that you said that you are knocking at the door of our heart and you want to come in and hang out with us. And we thank you that you're going to do that right now. Thank you for teaching us how to be faithful to you, how to be a faithful servant, for teaching us how to use our faith. We thank you, Lord, that you're there for us all the time, anytime, day and night, that you are right there on the inside of us for us to call upon your name. We love you. We praise you. Thank you for teaching us. In Jesus' name, amen. If you said that prayer for the first time, I'd love it so much if you let me know. If you recommitted yourself, I'd love it if you let me know if I inspired you today to get back on your horse and believe God and don't let any compromise get in the way. Just totally believe him. You know, in the midst of faith is when he shows up. And I just thought of this. I was talking to my son this morning. He was born with a birth defect and walking um, isn't easy. He was born with spina bifida. And anyway, I, I heard the Lord tell me to get him a scooter and lower part of his legs were weak. And I got him this electric scooter for his birthday and he couldn't ride it, but I knew God told me to get it and I knew it was by faith. And I was trying to hold him up on the patio and he kept falling over. And then the next day, and I didn't even realize that until we were talking about this morning, we have a hill behind our house. And I put him on the top of the hill. I put a helmet on him and I said, now go. And the day before he couldn't, he couldn't balance it. And he went down the hill even. I must have had a lot of faith. <laughs> down the hill and he had faith in me, you know, because he was only like nine or 10. And of course, what I taught him in Jesus. Anyway, he got on, he went down the hill and took off like a jet. And God works in the midst of your faith. And that's why he's encouraging us today to not compromise. Don't lay your faith down. Stop beating it up. 
Just put it out there and go. Just have that childlike faith. God is so in love with you. Thank you so much for listening today, and God bless you.